Hello and welcome to our podcast where we speak about the Sabbath School lesson study. If you have just joined us for the first time, we want to welcome you. Uh, we do this lesson study every week. Um, a Seventh-day Adventist, we go through various lesson studies throughout the year. We are currently in lesson eight of our Sabbath School lesson on education. Um, today we're going to speak about education and redemption, a very, very interesting topic uh, that is just replete throughout Scripture. My name is Pastor Quentin Betridge. I am pastoring in the Northern Rivers area at Kingscliff Church. I will be taking the Sabbath School lesson for today, so welcome. We're glad that you've made it. Before we jump into our lesson study and really get into it, um, I would invite you to close your eyes with me if you can, and uh, we'll pray together. Gracious Father, we come to you and we say thank you, Lord, that uh, we can pray and that we know that you are listening to us, Lord, wherever we are listening to this podcast. Lord, as we get into the Sabbath School lesson, we pray, Lord, that you'll be with us, that the same spirit that inspired Scripture will be the same spirit that, that educates us now illuminates the words of scripture to us and applies it to our heart lord that we won't just walk away from this podcast knowing more about the bible but that we would know more about you lord and that we would be educated in the ways that you want to educate us be with us now in jesus name i pray amen so as i've mentioned before our sabbath school for uh, the sabbath school lesson for this week is called education and redemption and generally when i do the sabbath school lesson what i like to do is not go day by day you know monday and tuesday and wednesday but kind of give the main thoughts for the week but this time i'm actually going to go day by day specifically because the lesson develops each different corner in a sense like that every day has a specific nuance or a specific dimension that it brings to this topic called education and redemption and so every day there'll be a, a kind of a text that we'll go through and kind of just speak about how that adds to our dimension of education and redemption and um, so keep that at the back of your mind um, this is the kind of specific nuance that we'll look at these texts for is what kind of uh, education and redemption levels of understanding do they bring out and so i'll start off our uh, first text for the day it is on sabbath afternoon if you have a sabbath school book you can go to page 98 it will be on that day 98 i'm reading from the teacher's edition um, and the new king james version uh, for this text is the memory text that is in second timothy chapter 3 verse 16 a text that is generally really well known amongst um, those that know scripture because it speaks about scripture itself and, and gives us an idea of what scripture is for and uh, Paul is the author and he writes and he says all scripture that means the old and the new all scripture is given by inspiration of God now there's something interesting about this verse is that it speaks about the the process of what they call inspiration so there's various levels um, to this doctrine of revelation inspiration the first level is this idea of revelation so revelation is when God reveals something to his prophet and um, that can be a vision it can be a dream it could be you know whatever God wants so um, that would be revelation then there's a, a another level to this called inspiration this is when God breathes on the the, the prophet um, to to convey or articulate what has been revealed to him so that idea of inspiration is a working with the Holy Spirit now this is not God's word 
in the sense that God doesn't dictate that to the prophet. It's, uh, it's men's word or man's word, but God is definitely involved in this process. And then there's another level called illumination. Illumination is when the Holy Spirit applies and illuminates that what has already been inspired and revealed through the prophet. So imagine to yourself you're reading scripture because this verse says all of scripture is given by inspiration of God. So Paul is saying all of scripture has been given by God, meaning that God is involved in the process. All of scripture, both the new and the old, from Genesis to Revelation, all of scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable, it is useful for us, for doctrine, creating doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So it's saying that when we come to scripture, we can use scripture as this pedagogical tool that will lead us into articulating doctrine and to reproof our own lives and those that are close to us in our community of faith, to correct us, to instruct us in righteousness. And so the Holy Spirit is also involved in that process, in the process of illumination, illuminating us to understand scripture. And so when we think about this, uh, this topic of education and redemption, it is important for us to remember that from the get-go, in a sense, the idea of redemption and recreation is an educational process. It's a process where God wants to um, educate us of his ways. I always like to think about, about it in this way, is that all Bible study, sermons, anything religiously uh, in the sense of anything that is religious in terms of communication, when you're giving a Bible study, when you're preaching, all of these things in a sense want to communicate a biblical worldview to us, a biblically shaped worldview to us that would, that would negate the worldly worldview, the secular worldview or the worldview that we have received from this world. It wants to negate or amend that worldview so that we see things from the way that God intended it to be. It's a bit philosophical, but if you can follow with me in a sense, in a way there is an ultimate reality, that is God. Um, and, and, and God is the one that sees everything and knows everything and he is the one that that basically determines what reality should be or should be without sin and so sin has come and warped this world in a sense uh, Paul writes later and he says that the God of this age a small g the God of this age the devil has come and blinded the minds of men what he's saying is that somehow there is this veil over our mind so that we cannot fully see and comprehend what true reality is and ultimate reality is we have this veil when it comes to God and reality of how the world was created and how the systems and the universe should, should truly operate. And so we are in contrast to that. We are fighting against the grain. We, we kind of don't really know how this operates. And so when God comes um, to redeem us, he basically comes not only to redeem us to take us away from sin, but he comes to reorient us and, and re-educate us to say, hey, but you've been created this world and my world was created in this way and this is who I truly am. And so the whole process of redemption is not merely buying back from the marketplace of sin, that's what redemption is, but also in terms of uh, reordering our thoughts and our minds. And so one of the key things of scripture, although not always overtly there, is this relationship between God as our teacher and we are his students. Jesus was probably one of the best to exemplify that because he was called as the rabbi um, and he came to teach. Uh, Matthew is very explicit that one of the key things that Jesus came to do was to teach or to preach. And so that's what we'll, we'll look at 
um, in this study. And we start off um, on Sunday's lesson just reframing our idea of humanity specifically and the, the portions that we are called on to reach for, for this day is Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 and also Genesis chapter 5 verse 1 and 3. So if you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn there with me. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27. Genesis in the Old Testament, it's the first book. Um, it, it means origins. It's the origin story of humanity, of the world, and also of the Jewish nation of Abraham, Isaac, um, uh, Jacob and Isaac, and the, uh, well, Isaac and Jacob and his 12 sons who were the 12 um, nation or the 12 heads, the 12 patriarchs that became the nation of Israel. And so Genesis is, Genesis is a story of a um, of origins. And so in Genesis chapter 1, we see the origin of the world and creation and the origin of humanity. And so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, we see the verses where humanity was created. And I'll read it in your hearing. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. It says, Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish over the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over all the creeping things that creep on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. The next verse that we are called to reach is this verse in Genesis chapter 5. And it says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. The day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Verse 3, and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness, after his own image, and named him Seth. Now there's a, a bit of theological nuance there. Genesis 1 speaks about this idea that Adam and Eve, both male and female, were created in God's image. In Genesis chapter 5, we see that the rest of humanity somehow were created in the image of Adam, which means that we are still created in the image of God to a degree that, that we somehow have this inherent inherited brokenness of the image of God within us. Now, there's been a lot of discussion. What does this mean to be created in the image of God? The scripture doesn't give us a precise explanation of this expression, even though scholars have derived various different interpretations of what that can mean. But one of the things that we can take from that is that we have this idea that being created in the image of God means that we are sentient beings and that we are moral beings. There's a lot of other stuff that we can discuss, but those two are important. We are sentient beings and we are moral beings, meaning that we can uh, reason for ourselves, think for ourselves, and therefore um, education would always be a part of the human package, meaning to learn and to grow in our in our intellectual capacities, on our, in our motive capacities, being able to grow um, through learning, being able to learn new new things and to bring that into our lives. And, and so as human beings from the most fundamental level, human beings are created to grow and to learn. Um, and, and that is quite profound for us um, that we are made to learn and to grow. The question at the end of Sunday's lesson, which is quite profound to me, is the question that, that asks, the story of redemption is a story of education from creation to incarnation, and then from incarnation to recreation. God is a teacher and heaven is a school for all time. What are the implications of this thought for our commitment to Christian education at home, in church, in school, in university, 
and throughout life. I'm going to ask that again so you can ponder about that. What are the implications of this thought for our commitment to Christian education at home, in church, in school, in university, and throughout life? For me, when I reflect on that question and thinking in the context of that we are created in the image of God and that we are called, if you, if you recall the great commandment where we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind and our soul, it gives this idea that we should love God with the totality of our being and that includes our minds. And uh, the implications for me in that sense is that I should never stop learning. I should always be growing in my understanding of life um, always be growing in my understanding of God, of myself. So there's a, 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 an impetus for me to grow theologically and to grow psychologically through my understanding of my mind and other people's minds of growing both in uh, emotional maturity, um, growing in my faith. And, and all of that has links to education. Um, I am reminded of a quote from Karl Barth, the uh, um, German theologian who once remarked, he said, in the, in the church, there can be no non-theologians. In the church, there can be no non-theologians. What he meant by that is, is that when you speak of God, you are doing theology. So all of us, all of you listening to this podcast, if you've said anything or you even thought about God in some way, shape or form, you have done theology. And so the question isn't whether you are doing theology. The question is, are you doing good theology or bad theology? And to do good theology, you need to learn and you need to be educated in order to do that. Um, in order to think in the proper ways, you know, to b grow in your uh, emotional maturity you know you can change and mature in emotional maturity or emotional intelligence is a way of learning to to understand yourself and understanding other people that's a uh, idea of learning and and a great way to learn that emotional maturity is also through scripture because scripture gives us a great mirror of the true human condition um, and so the implications for that is is that as a pastor and as a husband and, um, you know, a brother and a father and all of these various things that we are as human beings, um, we all constantly we should, we should be in a, a paradigm of learning. We should always be in a mode where we can learn in this humility, know that we don't know everything. Um, and we should always be, be, be open to learn more and more. And that's a sense of humility that we all need to constantly remind ourselves of, that is that we don't know everything. There is a curious um, hypothesis or, or theory um, called the Dunning-Kruger effect that posits that the, it's like a bell curve, basically. And um, on this bell curve, they show that people that get into new information, sometimes there's a very steep learning curve to learn new things. And, and as you're learning new things, you're learning a tremendous amount of something. So take, for instance, theology. You're learning, you, you're a new Christian. You just come into the faith. There's not much that you knew. Somehow that learning curve is very steep. You learn a lot of new things, a lot of maybe theological words, justification and sanctification and all of these various things and, and a steep learning curve. And the interesting thing is that in that period, Period when you learn so much, you think you know a lot, but there is a point where the the bell curve kind of evens out and then starts going down. And and when you start going down, you actually start to realize that I don't know a lot. 
the more you get into something, you get to a certain saturation phase where you realize that there's a lot that you have learned and you can converse very easily with, within a topic. But then you get to a point where you say, yeah, I don't know much. I, I, there's so much more that I that I need to learn. And I think we always need to be aware of that. For me as a theologian, trained as a theologian, um, I can remember my first year, second year of theology, I thought I knew a lot. I thought I you know, knew a lot about scripture. But later on, as I studied more and more and did postgraduate studies and learn more and read more, you start to realize, oh, I actually don't know a lot. So I think um, reflecting back on that question, the first lesson that I always um, take away from that is that we should be learners, but humble learners. We should always realize that that there's something that we can learn from everybody. And secondly, is that we are also teachers. And so uh, teaching at home, teaching at church, teaching at universities, wherever we are, we should always try and be, be teachable and to teach other people in the ways of the gospel because we have something to share. So finding that voice, being that witness that can teach to other people. I want to move on to Monday's lesson because now we start moving into Jesus as our teacher. And the verses that uh, verse that we were going to read now is still in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. It's one of the big, bigger prophetical books um, in the in the Old Testament. Isaiah. So kind of in the middle, Isaiah, and we'll read chapter eleven. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Isaiah, um, chapter eleven, and um, it's one of the great messianic psalms. Isaiah eleven and verse one. Isaiah 11 and verse 1, and we're going to read all the way to verse 9. Isaiah, verse, Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 9. And um, the question I'm going to read to you, what the question is, the question is, what does it reveal about the teaching role of Jesus? What does it uh, reveal to you about the teaching role of Jesus? I'm going to read it to you in your hearing. It says, There, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit full of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And these are all elements of a good teacher. Somebody that has understanding and wisdom. Um, this, the, somebody that has counsel and might. Um, and, and it is godly wisdom. It is godly might. It is godly counsel. It says, his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor. He decides with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and he shall, uh, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Verse 6 the wolf shall also dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion, the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young one shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall, shall play by the cobra's um, hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all the, of the holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the 
the knowledge of the Lord as the earth covers the sea. I want to read you a quote from the Andrew Study Bible that speaks about this because that last verse speaks about the knowledge of the Lord. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the, uh, the water covers the sea. It says, this beautiful passage, speaking about specifically verse 6 to 9, this beautiful passage foretells the coming of the Messiah who will bring the knowledge of God that will cancel all violence and usher in the reign of peace. And so we see this beautiful connection between education and redemption and how the knowledge of God will cancel all the violence and usher in the reign of peace. He will establish a universal harmony. This is understood to be the condition for God's people ultimately on the new earth. And so we see the way that God does this through Jesus is through education. Now, the, he obviously, it's including dying on the cross, which is also a educational tool in a sense because it shows us, educates us on who God truly is. And so in a sense, the question asks, what does it reveal about the teaching role of Jesus? Well, what it reveals to me is that Jesus would come primarily as a teacher. He comes to reveal to us the true content of God's character, who God truly is. And so he does that through various ways, through living as an example, through preaching and teaching, through miracles. All of these are, are, are things that will teach us who God is, how he operates, how his, his world operates. It's interesting when you go through the Gospels, you'll see all of these ways that Jesus came to teach. Um, the book of Matthew, for instance, um, the Great Commission at the end there, linking redemption and education, again says, uh, let me read it to you. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. Ezekiel, um, not Ezekiel, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, a verse that we should know well. It's the Great Commission. It's Christ's last command, and it should be our first concern. Matthew chapter 28. And it's interesting here, Matthew speaking says and Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples of all the nations so he's commissioning us to go and tell people about the redemption story tell them about this great work that Christ has done for us baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Interestingly enough, Matthew is the only one that adds this, this idea of teaching. Now, the reason why he does this is because the whole book of Matthew is actually built around the teachings of Jesus. In a sense, it's built around the Old Testament concept of a Torah. So if you go back to, uh, to, to the Old Testament, um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, which we refer to as the books of Moses, which the Jews would refer to as the Torah, were actually a teaching tool that weren't just the laws and stuff to keep, but it's actually a beautiful story of God coming, keeping his covenant with his people, um, re-educating them as they come out of Egypt, giving them the these laws to 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 teach them what the kingdom of God is about, how to live their lives, what is the best way to be fully human, basically. And so they come and these were teaching tools for them. When Moses comes, uh, or when Jesus comes as the new Moses, he comes, in a sense, as this great teacher as well. And so he comes and he teaches similarly to that. For instance, if you go to Genesis uh, to Matthew, 
you'll see that Jesus walks in the step of, steps of the, of the Israelites. Basically, he's the son of David. He's the son of Abraham, so true Israelite. Then he goes and uh, he goes to Egypt, just like the Israelites did. Um, he is, he, 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 before he, he leaves Egypt, and the next thing we see of Jesus is that he goes to the, to the sea where he's baptized. From there, he goes to the desert and is there for 40 days, like, um, like the Israelites. They were came through Egypt, uh, from Egypt through the Red Sea. They were in the desert for 40 40 days, and then the next thing of Egypt uh, of, of the Israelites is that they are on the mountain where they receive the teaching, and we see that Jesus, after being in the desert for forty days, he comes to the mountain, same mountain range, and he starts preaching to them. And Matthew actually records this in Matthew chapter four and says, you know, uh, now Jesus, the, uh, at this time Jesus began to preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand, and so he starts preaching about the kingdom, basically educating them. And what he's doing is re-educating them about the law that we already had. Come, So he says, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. So he, he teaches them things that they should have learned already. Now, what's interesting is you, if you take that from that block and you go through the book of Matthew, you'll see that he does this almost exact same thing that Moses does. He gives teachings of Jesus and then there's narrative, teaching of Jesus, narrative. And they're broken up in five blocks, five teaching blocks, five uh, narrative blocks, five teaching blocks, five narrative blocks, five teaching blocks, five narrative blocks. And so in a sense, Matthew is rebuilding a sense of the Torah for these new Christians to say Jesus has come, had come to re-educate us, to, to point us back to the kingdom of God and the values of God. And so that would be a way of education for us. And so we see redemption and education very strongly linked to the mission of God. We see the same thing uh, with Moses and the prophets, as I've mentioned this before, but uh, this is the section in, in Tuesday's lesson, Moses and the prophets. And the verse that um, they've called us to read is 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, we'll just go there. 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3. Timothy is in the New Testament. So 2 Timothy um, chapter 3, it's a book written by Paul um, to one of the, the workers that worked with him, Timothy. And we read 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, verse 14 to 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to 17. We've read part of this already, but I want to read it to you again. It says, but, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. So for them, what they knew as the Holy Scriptures then was basically the Old Testament, the, the law, the books of Moses and the prophets, <laughs> the prophets and the writings. And so Paul is exhorting Timothy and say, saying to him, hey, stick with the scriptures, stick with what you've learned as a, as a child, which you are able to make you wise for salvation. So he's connecting this idea of, of education with salvation. And that from childhood you have, have known the Holy Scriptures, which, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he goes to that verse that we've read before. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the question that they ask is, what do these texts teach us about the role of scripture in Christian education? And I think 
it's very evident that it shows us that all of Scripture, not just the old, not just the new, but all of Scripture is there for our edification, is there for our instruction, is there for our building of doctrine, which is a framework to understand the teachings of Scripture. And so both the Old and the New Testament, Paul exhorts Timothy and says, go back to the Holy Scriptures, which you would have known as the Old Testament, but also remember that all of Scripture, all the New, for them, they, the, the New Testament would not have been finished yet. But he's saying all of Scripture for us as Christians in 2020, all of Scripture, both Old and New, is there to be helpful for our Christian education. It, the, the Scriptures should be primary in our religious education. It should be primary in our Christian education. Education, And that's a question that I can maybe ask to you. Is scripture primary in your education? Not just theological education, but in the stuff that primes your thinking. Do you have a theology of, uh, of, of recreation? Do you have a theology of politics? Do you have a theology of, of dating? Do you have a theology of, of stewardship and how you should use your money? Do you have a, a, a theology? And, and when I say theology, I mean, can you go to scripture and can you say, well, I, I have these principles on my recreation. I have these principles on, on dating. I have these principles of child rearing. I have these principles of stewardship. All of these principles that I guide my life with, is it stuff that I get from Scripture? Or is it stuff that I get from other people uh, and Scripture is secondary? I think from this we can know, um, from these verses we can take away, is that Scripture should be primary for us. Um, I want to read another verse on Wednesday section which speaks about wise men and wise women. It's in 1 Kings chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, we can go there, 1 Kings chapter 4. And I'm going to read from verse 29. And it says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding, and a largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Thus Solomon wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all the men. Verse 32, and he spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. He also spoke of the trees from the cedar of the tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. And he spoke also of the animals and of the birds and the creeping things and of the fish. And the men of all nations from all kings of the earth who had heard the wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. What's profound about this section is that it speaks about being wise and not just knowledgeable. And I think that's the true um, intent of wisdom, of, of education, is that education is not just to make us more in, intelligent beings or to make us more um, knowledgeable individuals, but to make us wise individuals. And, and the Bible has quite a lot to say about wisdom. The wisdom of Scripture is not the same as wisdom of the world. Um, the wisdom of Scripture starts with um, knowing that there is God and then knowing that there is a God following him as the source of, of wisdom and the way that we get to that is firstly by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the connection with the Holy Spirit and Jesus said in, in John that he promises that the spirit of truth will come and this spirit of truth will lead and guide us in all truth um, and this spirit is another comforter like Jesus was the comforter and so this spirit of truth in a sense will reveal the wisdom that we see in Proverbs 8 this idea of of connecting us to the source of wisdom, Jesus Himself and God the Father, um, and 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 I think the idea of Scripture 
um, especially when it's relating to Solomon, is that Solomon wasn't wasn't uh, innately wise. Um, I think he realized that he wasn't wise, and he realized um, that he has a lot that he doesn't know, and he realized that there's a lot that he must do. And so, in a sense, um, his wisdom started when he realized that he wasn't wise by himself. Ellen White says that he was uh, the wisest when he prayed this prayer, where he said to God, I'm but a little child, I don't know if I'm coming or going, and he asked God to give him wisdom. Um, as the gift and and I think when we come to Christian education Christian education should always lead us to be more wise individuals and more more wise individuals are individuals that not only know theory or or knowledge um, they don't have more information necessarily but they know how to apply that knowledge and that information and they they guided by the spirit be a, being able to have insight and foresight and discernment um, in themselves and in the world and and into into other people and so that is something that we can only get uh, from God, and um, we can definitely add to our wisdom um, by gaining more knowledge and information, sure, um, but essentially um, it's only done through the Holy Spirit. And so true education, Christian education, is always holistic, um, and that's what Scripture wants to teach us. Scripture doesn't just merely want to teach us about God. It doesn't merely want to teach us about ourselves. It doesn't merely want to teach us moral truths, but it wants to help us to see the world for what it truly is um, and, and give us the the wisdom to operate within that world practically. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the redemptive story um, is that the biblical story, the redemptive story, is a story of real humans living in a real world, living in the most wholesome and uh, wise way that they can. And the only way that that can truly happen is, is that if they're connected to Jesus and we follow him as our rabbi. Well, that's all the time that we have for our Sabbath school for this week. I hope that you've enjoyed it and that it has been a blessing to you. Um, I I would invite you, if you can, to go to uh, the website SSNet and download the Sabbath school lesson if you haven't read it or you haven't studied it for yourself or even to prepare for next week's lesson um, to get ready and be a part of the discussion and um, enjoy um, learning more about uh, God and about education and about um, the way that it should bless us as human beings. Um, I want to thank you for joining us for the Sabbath School lesson on this podcast. Um, I'm going to end off with a prayer and then I hope that you have a, a great day. So let's pray together. Gracious Father, we come to you and we say thank you for your love, your grace and your mercy. Lord, thank you for the Sabbath School lesson that we can learn, that we can grow in our faith, grow in our understanding. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will be with us, that your spirit would lead and guide us and help us to grow um, in in our understanding and in our knowledge and in our wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you be with us wherever we are listening to this podcast. Um, may you bless all of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you very much and we hope that you have a great evening or morning or whatever time it is there. May you be blessed. Uh, thank you very much and goodbye.